0: part seven of a christmas miscellany twenty nineteen by various authors this LibriVox recording is in the public domain part seven when christmas crossed the peace by nelly l mccloon section two the round of the settlement which miss downey made revealed the fact that a christmas celebration was just exactly what the people wanted and hams and chickens were eagerly volunteered also pies and cake The supper was easily arranged for. The program to follow was more difficult, though Fred Ross reported that there were two great singers, a man and his wife from Winnipeg, just come to Wintering Hills, and he would try to get word to them to come over. Donald Ross, under the witchery of the nurse's smile, offered to do the highland fling. If anybody would lilt for him... Miss Downey agreed to be responsible for the music. There was a young Englishman, lately come to do the chores at Wilson's, who could sing, and another one, of whom he knew, would play the concertina. Mrs. Peters knew a girl who could whistle, and she would get word to her somehow. After her fifty-mile drive and her hard talking, it was late that night when Miss Downey got back to her house, and it was a tired but happy, excited nurse who crawled into bed behind the blue curtains, with Tinker Bell beating the floor with her foolish little stubby tail, offering congratulations on the day's work. When the bright light of another morning poured into the room, Miss Downey awakened with a sense of heavy responsibility. There were so many difficulties. How could she ever make the bare Hall look like Christmas? Her tour of investigation had revealed that there was in the neighborhood one flag belonging to the school, a few sheets of tissue paper, now in the hands of the school children, being turned into flowers and balls, a red cashmere shawl which could be draped over the box on which the Christmas tree would stand, two dozen candles that would help to light the tree, but what to put on it and where to get any music, and how to be sure that the people would get out. Black walls of trouble rose before her as she lay watching the morning sunshine which made a bright patch on the floor. But when she got on her feet and set a fire in the range she was herself again, resourceful, self-reliant, full of youth and optimism. Of Sergeant Woods she had seen nothing and wondered if he had yet returned from the crossing. "'Unconsciously, she found herself arranging the meal she would have when he came again, "'and as the day passed without a sick summons, she was glad to be at home to give a welcome,' "'she told herself, to anyone who happened to come. "'Madge had come over to tell her that her mother was still happily rehearsing her piece "'and cooking for the Christmas dinner. Two days before the eventful day, the news was brought to her by Madge that Bill Adams was out.' and she thought he had gone to the crossing on his usual errand, for Madge said her father had made some excuse about having to go to Dunvegan and would not be able to come to the hall on Christmas night. She feared that the men had arranged their gathering place, where Bill would bring them the goods and the Christmas celebration would go on as in previous years. On hearing this, a wave of rage filled the nurse's heart. This, then, was all they cared for their families, or their happiness. She wished now, just for a brief moment, that she had let old Bill die. It would have been a happier Christmas in the settlement. But that thought passed, and in its place there came a happier one. Old Bill Adams had not got the liquor yet, and maybe he wouldn't get it. The whole supply might yet be discovered and seized. The picture of Sergeant Woods, as he had sat by her fireside a week ago, so square-jawed, clear-eyed, and resolute, came back with a reassurance that warmed her heart. She was not fighting alone. She believed he was still at the crossing, waiting for just this contingency. It was four o'clock that afternoon, just as the pale yellow winter sun was settling behind the grove of trees, that a wagon came up to her door. "'Somebody's sick,' she said, with a sinking heart, for once she had no joy in her profession. A case might take her to the other side of her district. But as she looked, she saw that the sick one this time had come to her, for the driver, carefully removing the robes, was preparing to lift someone from the wagon. She was beside him in a moment. "'It's the policeman, miss,' said Dad Peters, with ill-concealed enjoyment. "'Broke his leg on Bricks Hill.' His horse rolled over on him, hard lines, too, right in his busy time, but he was discharging his duty when it happened, weren't you, sergeant, trying to keep the north bank of the peace dry? But fate went against you, didn't it, sergeant? We sort of thought this was the best place to bring him, nurse. Bill Adams said he was a lucky dog and he only wished he was in his place. The sergeant groaned as they laid him on the nurse's bed. There was bitter disappointment on his face go over and get madge Luke's," said the nurse in her even voice i'll need her to help me to set this leg and tell her to bring over a horse i want her to do something else for me mr peters was in such an amiable mood he would do anything fate had been kind beyond his dreams certainly miss anything else "'Nothing else,' said Miss Downey. "'Thank you. Only be sure to tell everyone about our Christmas entertainment. We want everyone there. And now a Merry Christmas, Mr. Peters, and don't fail to come and bring all the family. We want to make this a great day for the children.' Mr. Peters' face revealed a flicker of embarrassment as he went out. "'Well, girl,' said the patient, as she drew aside the curtains and began to remove his overcoat, I fell down on my job, didn't I, and those damned rascals have the laugh on me.' She had her most professional air now, as she sterilized her hands. I found out where the cash was, and was just on my way to seize it when my horse broke through into a badger hole on Brick's Hill, and, falling on my leg on the frozen ground, smashed it below the knee. Old Bill, accompanied by Dad Peters, found me, and lectured me soundly on the whimsical ways of fate. Now, look, is there any way we can head off this old rascal? Can you think of anything? I made a mess of it. Can you think of anything? Sure I can, said Miss Downey as she arranged the splints on her library table. I have it all thought out. Well, for God's sake, get at it, he cried, sitting up. Don't mess around here with me. It has to be done in a hurry. If you're going to stop it, he may get a supply in the next six hours. No hurry, said the girl quietly. Your leg must be set first. You see, I am a nurse by profession, and a moral reformer and community leader only in my spare time. Just now I have one thought, one care, and that is you. When the leg was set and Madge Lukes instructed as to what to give him to eat, Miss Downey suddenly retired to the dispensary and dressing room, carrying the police uniform, cap, boots, and all. When she came back, she was fully dressed, and as she put the revolver in her holster, she said— I'm glad you are not any bigger. I can stuff this coat out with my sweater. It doesn't look so bad, does it?" She revolved slowly to give him a complete view. Her golden hair was completely hidden by the cap. The sergeant, wide-eyed, raised himself on his pillow at the sound of her voice, then fell back in astonishment. "'I'm Sergeant Downs, a friend of yours, who came to spend Christmas with you,' said the nurse quietly. "'Now tell me where the cash is, and I'll see if I can head off my old friend before he reaches it, or, failing that, to meet him coming back and seize his load.' The sergeant seized her hands impulsively. "'Oh, girl!' he cried, "'you're a wonder!' With Sergeant Woods well out of the way, the pathway of Bill Adams in his official capacity of bootlegger for the north bank of the peace was singularly free from danger, and when he saw his friend Dad Peters driving away with the helpless sergeant in the bottom of his wagon, the old man's soul was lifted on the wings of song. From his brief but varied experience of studying for the ministry, little remained but his knowledge of hymnology. From it, now, he drew deep consolation, and out upon the quiet roadside there floated out a real peon of praise. God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. He stopped many times on the road to tell the joyful news that the young sergeant had broken his leg, and thus the last barrier between the dwellers on the north bank and perfect happiness— was removed and christmas would be christmas once again and many of the home-bound travellers went laughing on their way the short winter afternoon soon drew to a close and a darkness only relieved by the northern lights fell on the road sergeant downs urging her horse to a gallop quickly covered the distance until the long hill at alley bricks made her slacken her pace down in the valley, a dog barked with reassuring sound, and as she walked her horse down the long hill, she had ample time to lay plans, to catch up to Bill, follow him to the cache, under cover of the night, then arrest him red-handed, and make the seizure seem to be the simplest course, and yet the problem of what to do with the liquor bothered her then she began to think that bill so notorious was he for crooked dealing would have to hand over the money to the peace river dealer before he would even be told where the liquor was and this thought took hold of her so strongly that she determined to push on with all speed to the crossing her hypothesis proved to be the correct one she caught up to him at the river and crossed on the ice just behind him and passing him going up the bank called a cheery good night just to be sure she was not mistaken the answer came back in bill's voice very cheerful and very much like a benediction bill's heart was light and gladsome they reached the livery barn about the same time and succeeded in rousing the man who slept in the hayloft. Who came down the ladder in a drowsy and ill-natured mood. "Pity you folks can't travel by daylight," he grumbled. "Christmas time, my dear fellow," cried Bill, slapping him on the back. And all the Christmas means of good fellowship and cheer, where spirits blend and friend holds fellowship with friend don't be of a sour temper at christmas good fellow of mine are we not awake too at this late hour each pursuing our own course hoping to find happiness my young friend here whose horse shows evidence of hard riding no doubt pursues the same elusive fairy and i trust with the same hope of finding her hope of happiness moves the world to-day oh all right bill all right he said quite mollified when he saw who it was I'll see you around tomorrow, I suppose. Oh, sure, said Bill genially, looking up a few of my old friends, you know. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The sergeant had tied her horse in the stall, and in kicking the bedding under him, the liveryman's sharp eye caught the gleam of the yellow stripe in the murky light of the stable lantern and gave the alarm by a loud cough. Bill Adams's tone at once became studiously careless as he replied, I expect to be very busy to-morrow buying a few things. Commissions from all the neighbors, you know. We are so far out. Our people don't get in often, and whoever comes to town is loaded down with errands. Nobody minds that, though, for at Christmas time, by Jove, all the pores of a man's heart are open, you know. Suddenly a feeling of fear smote Nurse Downey's stout heart. Her lack of knowledge as to police procedure made her fearful that her disguise would be discovered, and having to deal with the gang so skilled in evil ways, so full of craft and guile, gave her a sudden, weak, helpless feeling. Of the old man in front of her she had no fear. Had she not scrubbed him, shaved him, fed him, scolded him? She determined on a bold stroke. "'Well, good night, Sim,' said Bill to the liveryman. "'Good night, and be good.' He started off down the street toward the welcome light of the Peace Hotel, about a hundred yards away, but the street on which they were traveling was in inky blackness, for everybody had long since gone to bed. The nurse followed close behind. Stepping up behind him, she laid a detaining hand on his arm, and in her deepest voice said quietly, "'William Adams, you are under arrest.' and before his astonished lips could utter a word, she had slipped the handcuffs on him. "'But I haven't done anything,' he cried, trembling. "'Search me, and you won't find anything.' She backed him over against the wall of a building, and with her flashlight went through his pockets, until she came to the great roll of bills. "'What are you doing with so much money?' she asked sternly. "'Just came in to get things for Christmas,' said Bill glibly. We're having a big Christmas treat out at our hall, and some of us just made a little collection to buy a treat for the kitties. Christmas time, you know, and all that, when friend meets friend. His teeth were clattering with fright. Now, see here said the sergeant grimly. You're lying, of course, and I know you're lying. The whole gang are known to me, and I know where the cash is, and all about it. The cash is in Bill Fraser's old barn. I did not break my leg, as you see. That was all part of the game, to throw you off your guard. I got on my horse and followed you. My God, cried the old man, I'm no match for you. I could have sworn that leg hung limp. "'Oh, I'm too old, I guess, to play the game with young fellows like you. I thought I was pretty cute, but I'm not.' "'That's all right, Mr. Adam,' said the sergeant generously. "'You're cute enough, but you see you are caught fairly, and I could send you to jail, but I have my own reasons for not wanting to do that.' The old man's breath was coming hard. "'Now, we'll make a bargain. I'll keep the money tonight, but tomorrow we will make your lies come true.' I will send a friend of mine, a nurse, to go round with you to help you with your shopping. She won't know but what you are the benevolent old man who wants to give the kids a good time. I won't appear at all it would arouse suspicion if the people saw me with you, but everyone knows I came here especially to get you. Well, I've got you all right, but no one need know it but just you and me. I know, maybe better than you, the people you are to buy for, and I'll give you a list, and the nurse will help you through.' "'How much money have you got here?' "'There are twenty of the boys in on this,' he said falteringly, "'and they each gave me twenty-five dollars.' "'All right,' said the sergeant, taking off the handcuffs. "'That's very good now. You go on to the hotel. "'Have you some money besides this? "'All right, then. The nurse will join you at nine, "'and you can get at your shopping right away. "'I'll not appear at all. Now, good night.' "'Good night,' said the old man faintly, "'and started down the street.' the sergeant watched him until he saw him open the porch door of the hotel the lightness had gone from his step and for the first time the square light which announced the name of the hotel to the world had in it for him no mellowing welcome when nurse crawford opened her door a few minutes later She was astonished to see a young man in the uniform of the Alberta Provincial Police on her doorstep, and to hear him say in suppressed excitement, "'Kate, let me in. Don't say a word. Are you alone? All right, then. Pull down the blinds and listen to me. Did anyone say we would have a dull time when we came north?' The astonished Miss Crawford, in her dressing-gown, saw a young man enter, who hastily removed his cap letting fall a shower of golden hair and then with a whoop of delight caught her around the waist and kissed her with a resounding smack didn't you always want a policeman for a beau kate why bess downy what have you been up to you quiet little golden-haired beauty show me your private office before i say a word or failing that let me get in behind the curtains of the bed before i unfold my tale of pure joy "'Kate, i flashed my flashlight into a man's face tonight, and I took his roll from him, and here it is,' and she laid the fat roll of five-dollar bills on the bed. Her friend arose and locked the door. Then coming back, she said gently, but with the professional air that sent Miss Downey into peals of laughter, "'Go on, Bessie, don't worry, and don't get excited. Begin at the beginning.'" When the story was told, the two girls sat beside the fire, deciding what would be bought with the money, writing down each item as they thought of it. First on the list was a phonograph for the hall. Then came candy and nuts and ready-filled stockings and dolls for the little girls, with doll carriages and cradles, books and drums, and sets of tools. There were twenty-four girls and twenty-eight boys to be provided for, and fifteen women. "'You are to do the buying, Kate, and do get them something gay and fancy,' said Miss Downey. "'Perfume, boxes of candy, vanity cases, silk stockings, fancy collars, beads. Go strong on beads and fancy combs. I'd put on one of your uniforms and go with you.' Only the old man would know me, he's one of my patients, you know. But remember this, don't get anything that is only useful. We want things that will glitter and sparkle and look well on a tree. And oh, Kate, get lots of sparklers and crackers and red and green candles and big bells of red paper and sleigh bells and a big Santa Claus and reindeers and anything you can lay your hands on that is festive and gay. And now, Kate, I believe I'm hungry. It seems like years since I left home, and forty miles on horseback is some step. The next morning, the storekeeper at the crossings got the sensation of the season. The well-known Bill Adams, accompanied by the district nurse, Miss Crawford, made the rounds and bought with a lavish hand their fancy goods and toys. Miss Crawford was particular to tell each proprietor of the generous part Mr. Adams had taken in making a collection among his friends to give the women and children a real old-fashioned treat. Under the spell of her enthusiasm, old Bill swallowed hard, and his eyes were suspiciously moist as he modestly disclaimed the entire credit. "'We all got thinkin' about it,' he said, and rememberin' the days that are gone when sleigh bells were ringin' and Gladheart singing. Christmas seems to be a time to kind of spread the joys around and shed the oil of gladness on each head. Pretty decent old scout, that old Bill Adams, after all, said the proprietor of one of the drug stores after Bill had paid for every box of candy in the place and the complete stock of perfume and balloons. I always thought he was a tough old bird, but that just shows you never can tell. The big packing boxes were loaded at last, and Bill started back with his precious load. What his thoughts were on the homeward journey will never be known. The snow, which had held off so long, now began to fall in gently gliding flakes, which came without haste through the quiet air, and as he drove through the spruce trees and pines with his load of Christmas things, a queer feeling of detachment from the past came over him when he arrived at the hall he found the nurse waiting for him and although he must have thought it strange he said nothing naturally unloading the many boxes and parcels he stayed to help her decorate the tree with the candles sparklers and balloons and was apparently much gratified by her many words of approval how did you know so well what to get she asked him They helped me a good deal in the stores, he lied genially, and then, of course, I thought about it as a good deal myself. The nurse then stopped to look at him in undisguised admiration, or at least he took it for that. "'Come back as early as you can tomorrow,' she said when it began to get dark. "'I feel that you must help me to put things on and decide what we shall give to each person. This is going to be the most wonderful Christmas I've ever known.' it has all or nearly all been your doing and i cannot tell you just how i feel about it all that's just how i feel too miss he said truthfully i can't talk much about it it is all here and he tapped his heart dramatically by two o'clock on christmas day people began to arrive with their provisions and soon the long tables were set up and filled with roast turkeys chickens salads and jellies cakes and pies No one was gayer or happier than Mrs. Lukes, who had come over early with Madge to sweep out and see if the lamps were ready. It's just like a dream, she cried happily to one of her neighbors. It's just what I have been dreaming of, and I'm so happy, I just feel I could fly. Just to know our children will have one real Christmas tree makes up for all we've been through. The tree, which the nurse and Bill Adams had finished dressing, stood on a big box draped with the red shawl on the stage, but it was not allowed to be seen until after supper, although there were many adventurous young souls who crept forward to get a peek and came back shivering with delight. At five o'clock dinner began. The men and women and small children sat in, while the big girls and boys waited on them, carrying plates of turkey and mashed potatoes and golden turnips from the reserves on the stove. Mrs. Lukes presided at the base of operations, and made the coffee and cut the pies, and was everywhere at once." At the proper moment a hush fell on the audience, for the lamps were all turned low, and when the curtain was rolled back and the Christmas tree, ablaze with candles and sparklers, burst on the enraptured assemblage, there were little peals of delight and surprise from all over the hall dolls with golden hair dolls with brown hair stretched their arms appealingly to their little mothers in the audience while from every branch a silver sparkler shot its white stars upward in a perfect frenzy of gladness Balloons in red, green, and white tugged at their tie-strings and threatened to fly to the roof, and the presence of balls and drums and engines and wagons and mysterious bundles and boxes below the tree set the young hearts dancing with expectation. When the supper was over and the last waiter had been fed, the nurse insisted that Bill Adams should speak to the people. They are all asking who bought all these things, and you must tell them. It's only fair to all the men who contributed. Her eyes were dancing with mischief. Sure, you must speak, Mr. Adams. Tell them about Christmas being the time when spirits blend, and friends hold fellowship with friend, and all that. That's good stuff, and about the pores of the heart being open, and bless be the tie that binds. Old Bill's eyes swept her face in keenest scrutiny. Where did you hear that? "'Oh, that's the words of a hymn, you know, I'm sure.' There was no time for thought, for already the nurse was speaking, and a hush had fallen upon the happy company. "'You will be wondering, dear friends, who our Santa Claus is tonight, who has made all this happiness possible. We have him here behind the curtain, and now I'm going to introduce to you one of our oldest and best-known settlers, Mr. William Adams.' Too much surprised even to applaud, the people sat, and old Bill came forward. Under Miss Crawford's persuasion, he had bought a new suit and had indulged in a shave and haircut, and the gasp of astonishment which broke from the people was a sincere tribute to his improved appearance. "'Dear friends,' he said, "'it's a long time since I've made a speech. Many years have fallen on my speech-making ability—years and other things.' But tonight is Christmas, and the spirits of Christmas are abroad and make us do queer things, things we did not intend to do. Queer things, but things which make us happy, too. I don't half understand all this myself, and I don't know why I am here. But— Here he straightened up and began to expand like a dried Japanese water flower that feels the life-giving water beneath it. It's only fair to the boys who chipped into this to tell you that a bunch of us got talking about Christmas a while back and it being a time for a little jollification. And this year, he stumbled a little here, but the glowing faces before him gave him courage. This year it seemed best to spread it out and make the fun reach over all the people it seemed best in fact we were led that way by an invisible hand as it were and we sure all hope you are enjoying it and that everybody is as pleased as i am i never knew that a person could feel as good as this without taking anything it's a new one on me but i hope you are happy i sure am cheers and wildest applause broke out then and cries of you bet we are good old boy bill you're right and when it had subsided another thrill came from behind the tree and hidden by it the big square phonograph with its door opened wide burst into song Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the new-born King, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. It sang in the silvery tones of the Welsh quartet, Sang it in words so clear and triumphant, That on its strong wings of melody, Tired souls were borne upward to the very gates of heaven. ''It's the singers from Wintering Hills,'' someone gasped. ''It must be.'' But Mrs. Lukes pressed her rough hands together convulsively. ''Now,'' she cried happily, ''it's Christmas, it's real Christmas, with God in it. It has crossed the peace. It has come over to us. My dream has come true. I'm satisfied.'' and from her eyes the staring loneliness had all gone and in their depths had dawned a great new hope of better things to come while the tree was being unloaded and the fun was at its height the nurse slipped away with a great basket of provisions for her patient "'I'm neglecting you,' she said, "'but oh the things I have to tell you when it's over. "'I can't let you go to the hospital at the crossing tomorrow. "'I won't be through telling you. "'I'm going to bring old Bill home with me. "'I'll leave the teapot here where you can reach it. "'Now chew your food well. "'Isn't that a good brand of lemon pie? "'Keep your mind from worry, "'and if you feel the need of further instructions, "'consult Diana here beside you.' she was gone in a moment and in spite of the two lamps turned high for him the room had grown dark come right in mr adams he heard her saying at the door come right in you've never seen my nice little house have you oh no i'm never lonely you see sometimes i have a patient for a few days my private ward is over there behind the curtain ''Yes, indeed, i like your idea for weekly meetings in the hall. Now, with the phonograph, and so many ready to help, we can have all sorts of good times. Hang your coat there, Mr. Adams. I would like you to meet my patient. He cannot get out of bed, so will you please come this way?'' Throwing back the curtain in front of the dispensary, the light fell full on the laughing face of Sergeant Woods. ''Mr. Adams, meet Sergeant Woods,'' said the nurse calmly. "'Haven't we met before?' said the old man, trying to recover his composure. "'Yes,' said the sergeant, smiling. "'You very kindly picked me up on Brick's Hill, and your friend Dad Peters brought me here two days ago.' "'But you didn't stay here,' exclaimed his visitor. "'Ever since, haven't I, nurse?' "'For the very good reason,' said the nurse, "'that his leg is in splints.' The old man looked from one to the other helplessly, and sat down hard in the chair the nurse had placed for him. "'Then who the devil did I see, and who is that that—' "'That what, Mr. Adams?' asked the nurse, with more eagerness than regard for sentence construction. "'See, here! burst from the old man. "'Did you break your leg, or did you not?' "'I did.' Well, why did you tell me you didn't, and that it was all in the game to throw me off the track, and why did you wave it around to show me it was all right?" The sergeant looked at the nurse with lifted eyebrows. Oh, nurse, he said. I didn't wave it, said the nurse quietly. I did not need to wave it. You could tell it couldn't be broken. No one could ride forty miles with a broken leg, could they? See here, said the old man desperately. "'Who held me up at the point of a revolver in a dark corner at the crossing and took five hundred dollars from me?' "'I didn't,' spoke up the policeman. "'I've been here all the time with a broken leg.' Looking from one to the other, the old man slowly began to nod his head. Then he arose, and making a sweeping bow to the nurse, he said, "'Miss Downey, once again I offer you my hand in marriage.' "'With equal dignity, Miss Downey replied, "'and once again I decline the honor. There was a silence in the room, broken only by the thumping of Tinkerbell's tail on the floor, as she registered applause. "'Young man,' said Mr. Adams, addressing the radiant face on the pillow, "'young man, there's one awful lesson in this for you and me. "'We're poor fish, us men. "'We have a rough way of doing things.' "'Your way was to arrest me, "'seize the stuff, "'send me to jail. "'That's no damn good. "'I'd be swearing my soul away in jail. "'Boys all mad, "'everything in a mess. "'Look at this girl. "'She skins my roll, "'but look what she does with it. "'What she does with me. "'She scrubbed me, shaved me, first in my own house, "'then on the public highway. "'Robbed me, "'but made me the best-liked man "'in the neighborhood. "'Makes everyone think so well of me. "'I think well of myself.' "'I'm not old Bill Adams, the bootlegger. "'I'm the man who brought the Christmas tree to the kids. "'She spoils my taste for booze, this girl, "'and has given me a taste for my fellow men. "'Tonight, coming out, I met a bunch of the boys "'who gave me the money, Dad Peters, Bill Lutz, and the rest. "'They grabbed my hand and said, "'All right, old man, glad you done it. "'They feel better, I feel better. "'Everyone in the settlement feels better. "'She did it all, she and your revolver.'" "'Mr. Adams,' said the nurse, taking the old man's hand in both of hers, "'you're wrong about the revolver. It was only a flashlight I used, and remember the suggestion was yours about buying things for the kids. You said it first. That gave me the idea. I saw it was the way out, and it has all been so fine. You played up well, too, Mr. Adams, and will never give it away.' He turned to the bed and shook hands with the sergeant. You remember what I said, Sergeant, about a man alone being a poor stick. Profit by it. Not but that I'm willing to admit that as men go, you're some man. When Bill Adams was gone, she came back to her patient and in her best hospital manner beat up his pillows. I'm getting better, nurse, he said, hopefully. I'm feeling better every minute. Well, she said, about tomorrow I will feel well enough to— She interrupted him quickly. "'It may interest you to know that nurses never accept proposals from their patients.' He knitted his brows and looked at her. "'When will you take me to the hospital?' he asked after a pause. "'Tomorrow. I will keep you here, but I may be called away any minute. "'And I won't be your patient then?' "'No.' "'But you will come to see me?' "'Oh, yes.' "'But, nurse, no one can propose to a girl when he doesn't know her first name.' That doesn't matter, she said, north of the peace. And outside, right above the little house, the northern lights, pink and green and violet and amber, marched and flamed and danced and looped, folding and shooting and darting, just as if they knew, and were glad. End of When Christmas Crossed the Peace by Nellie L. McLuhan End of Part 7, Section 2